Welcome to Color Me Happy Podcast. I'm your host, Brandi Hofer. Thank you so much for being here. I sure do appreciate your time. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. Um, I hope that you are following, taking steps, not just being like, I'm going to drop everything and follow my passion. That's not realistic. <laughs> and it's not easy either. Um, I hope you're taking little steps uh, each and every day toward your passion and um, living uh, the life that you see for yourself and um, the person you want to be, the person who you want to become. Um, if you're not sitting with yourself in the right season right now. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here and we hope that we can support you in some way. We have our free community, Color Me Happy community. Uh, you can join there. Uh, it's in the links below. We also have our new site up, brandyhofer.ca, um, and there'll be a little pop-up and you can sign up for a weekly inspiration newsletter where we feature members uh, every week um, and our podcast guests, obviously. You probably know you're here <laughs> with us. Um, yeah, we've had an exciting couple weeks with launching the new site and working out like little kinks. I, that's not fun, actually. I don't know why I'm talking about it at all. It's the worst, but I'm excited because it's the best. It will be able to support my education and community a little bit more than my past website where I literally, that was like the season of, um, I launched that new site and it took off and I had so many custom orders and it worked so well. I had too many orders and I couldn't handle it. And I was like, I can't, I can't make all this stuff myself like I'm a stay-at-home parent and um like I had a new third baby and I'm like I can't drive to the post office every day and I can't paint for hours on end every day this is not sustainable and I'm really grateful for that time because it actually led to me um launching the podcast and making the community and shifting my practice into a more sustainable uh, way and launching the education sector, which was a matter of a lot of happy accidents and a lot of amazing people coming together and partnering with, um, like the photographer, Kristen Hickman came over with her girls and we recorded portrait class and it's the most viral, wonderful, magical class that anyone has ever taken. If you haven't taken it, take it. It's so, it's so fun and it's so empowering. Um, and which has actually led to what I've been working on very, very diligently in the past few weeks on top of holiday everything uh, is our diversifier creative income because those shifts of and that season of burnout from like a new site and something working really well led to uh, this new site and this new class who I'm partnering with Shannon Amy who actually, Shannon Amy Art, who was the reason um, she pointed out how non-sustainable, unsustainable, yeah, unsustainable my practice was. And I was in her mastermind group. She's a mentor and a coach and she does really well with those things. Um, and she's in the throes of motherhood too. So we're both like making this time. So we wanna support you in making time to live out your passion uh, live out your dreams and finding a way to get there in a way that you're happy for the most part. Like we're not happy all the time. That's unrealistic as well. And um, but supporting you in growth, basically growth as an individual and growth financially so you can support yourself and your family or 
however your situation is, you and your partner or you and your cat. It's cool. We go over everything. We even share every little bit of like our income pie, um, which a lot of people don't share those things all the time, but we did. Um, so if you want on that, just message me at Brandy Hope for Studios on Instagram. Uh, I just have a waiting list. My team's building all the like sequencing sequencing and and like signups and stuff in this current day and week so i'm just manually by hand we've got a waiting list i'm rubbing my eyes we've got a waiting list and people are messaging and it's great i i like the messaging because it's actually giving me a way to connect to everyone personally and get to the, know them before the course so it's not a live course, it's a recorded course, but there is a waiting list um, because I don't have time to sit in live courses because I got the three kids and the hockey and the stuff. And I just, I just decided to take apart my whole entryway, which everyone's boots and mitts and declutter it and repaint the walls, which was a huge mistake. I, last night I was like, I'm gonna regret this. And I do, because now I don't have time to finish my work stuff today, but I always launch my podcast, so. You're welcome. This has gone on way too long. I'd like to thank our partners and sponsors, uh, BioClean Disaster Services, Oasis Hot Yoga and Spin Studio, um, Loyalmister Region Health Foundation for supporting that big project we did. We partnered with them this summer on that giant mural. Um, Red Bicycle Communications, Nouveau Laser and Aesthetic Center, and that's it, I think. Yes. Partnerships and collaborations are a huge part of growth. And not only that, but volunteering your time if you don't have the ability to contribute financially to places, um, which was one of my huge goals, by the way. I didn't have it. The, I could donate artwork. That's another way of donating. Um, I, and so I donated artwork and I donated time and the time that it made to make artwork and prints. And um, now I'm able to donate annually financially to programs and um, centers and places that I'm really passionate about that serve my community in a really positive uh, impactful way and um, it's a really cool thing and I would say one of the biggest parts of our growth over the past four years like it I've doubled every year our net profits or profits no not net that always changes. Fucking net. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it, we've doubled our income, our gross income. That's right. Um, yes, every year since then. Um, so it's gone really well. And a huge part of that growth was uh, giving um, with intention and uh, mindfulness. So I know that you can do it too if you want to get to that place. But uh, being kind to people and being compassionate is, is part of what I said at the beginning about the person who you need to become um, or the person you want to be. And uh, I'm happy to say that I'm very happy right now. I'm not going to cry either. Thank you for being here and supporting us through this wonderful year. Um, I'm crying. It's been unreal. And... Uh, they say when like things change financially, you don't really feel it, but things change financially, but they actually just change like 
impactfully on how I interacted with people in my community and served my community. That's what's changed. And um, being able to support my family is just a huge bonus. And now I can support my community alongside living my dream life and just wow. It does feel like a change and it feels like there's so much more possibility and I hope that we can find more possibility for you too. Um, and it wasn't easy. There were some really tough times, but there were some really, really great times. So um, it's kind of a big mix, mix pot. <laughs> All right, feel free to reach out anytime. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode on at any point in any point at any point in your life you can make a change you can make a shift that's what paulina did she's a lawyer and uh she made this after 25 years the shift into uh following her passion and her creativity and it was such a great organic conversation love you all thank you and um i'm sending you love and energy to all your hopes and dreams and i hope i can support you in some way um so yeah as probably you hear from a lot of people just like your journey with motherhood and how you juggle that into your art career so I think at the moment that I joined the art queens and I actually noticed that you were there then I was like oh this is so interesting because I already knew about you and your work there oh cool great oh I love you know there's so much um power in collaboration and yeah and just like working together. And it is the best collaborative group I've ever been a part of. It's so freaking too. cool. It yeah. really is. And it, it feels like we, as if almost like we were, we're like really close geographically. And then it's really funny when you actually see how far away people are and you're like, oh, but like we just have such great conversations and engagement that it almost seemed like we were so close, but it's just the feeling that we have. I know. Like I, when we went to New York there and we met, and I know you've met Queens um, from yes. all over too, but it was like, honestly, like, it was just like, oh, these are my friends and they've been my friends the whole time. Like there was no <laughs> like awkward, like, yeah. Hey everyone. It was just like, these are my girlfriends and we do amazing things together. And we exactly. could like, I just talked to Victoria whom I met, who is the founder of the visionary art collective um the other day and like mm -hmm. just like and i just talked about this on the podcast um i haven't released it yet but like what a good partnership feels like yeah we yeah. went through three different partnerships like your your partner in life your like sexual yeah. partner and your partner in life which are i feel like kind of entwined but different and then friendships and then business partnerships and yes. what it looks like and feels like and how to get out of them if you <laughs> if you need to yes. in that she's an actual therapist yeah. so it was like yeah. you know like she gave like a political answer and i was just like you yeah. gotta you gotta just get out of there um but <laughs> so this you're is, like let's um, think about it that way <laughs> yeah um so that's our mutual ground. That is how, yeah. but I haven't heard about your whole personal journey. And I'm really, really curious because yeah. you are a lawyer too. Are you a practicing lawyer or are you like stopped and became an artist or how is that working? Exactly. No, actually I, I don't practice law actively, I should say, because 
funny enough, as you probably imagine, running a business actually requires quite a bit of like um, working with the business aspect of it and dealing with a lot of contracts. So from that point of view, I totally still apply a lot of the things that I learned in law school. I went to law school in the UK and it's quite a unique uh, path there. Uh, I know that some countries have this where basically you graduate from law and then after that you have to do uh, two years of training. And this was exactly when the economic crisis hit in the UK and I had actually been working full time for an American law firm at the time, doing my studies on the side. <laughs> so oh I am gosh. used to juggling a lot of stuff and then, you know, I. I also had met my current husband and we had started dating. It was a long distance relationship. He had just moved out of London, so he was not looking to move back. And we just were in this strange situation. We were trying to decide how we could make a relationship work because we had been together for a year and a half. And if I had to do the training contract in the UK, that would be two years. And at the moment, the problem that would have been okay, but because of the economic crisis, everybody that I knew that had already received a contract had actually been pushed back half a year to a year. So suddenly, you know, there was a lot of instability as to like, is it going to be two years or is it going to be like four or five years? Yeah, and so that's a had, lot. That's a it is. big chunk of time of your life, like exactly, like a good in your like all years are good, but in your like really great years, yes. Exactly. Exactly. So it really was a difficult choice. And then we decided that I would actually move to Norway and that I would try to figure out if I could actually do my training here because this is a very international place. And I mean, in, indeed it is, but it, it, we ended up figuring out that there were a lot of other things that we hadn't considered at the time. And one of those things actually was also that we wanted to start a family shortly after we got married. And I was very excited about that. And I was also very focused that I wanted to be a stay at home mom. And that was something that was extremely important to me. And that was so difficult to navigate because there was such a big pushback from people close and far. And it was just really, really strange because it also made me realize how much people actually undervalue the work that mothers do at home. You know, most of the people, when I told them I was stay at home mom, they assumed that I either didn't have an education, so I didn't have anything better to do <laughs> stay at home with my kids. Or that, you know, just like a, maybe that I didn't speak the language, which was also incorrect because I spent a lot of time actually learning to speak Norwegian before I had my baby because I knew I was going to be speaking Spanish to her. So it was just a very weird thing to to do. So that's kind of like the law part of it. I had the stereotypes that were yes. getting dropped on you hard. Exactly. No, and it's it's so hard. You know, it's such a build up of your life because I was actually reflecting about this experience with many people recently about the fact that the way we talk to young girls and even little girls it's so different that the way we speak to boys you know the way we speak to little girls is like oh you have to be gentle you have to be kind you have to have like you know a positive attitude you want to serve people like uh, enable people you know maybe your brother is doing this activity oh let's let go and like cook for her uh, for him and daddy because that is coming from work and you know your brother is going to this activity but without realizing the way we speak to little girls is already putting them in this path of like, you must serve someone and your time is not valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a big topic that actually, and, and you know, when I actually had the realization, I was like, oh my, <laughs> you know, like 
I actually couldn't believe and I have wonderful, wonderful parents, but unfortunately I was brought up in South America. I basically lived in Ecuador until I was 15 years old and then I moved to the US. So I had um, 11 years moving in the uh, living in the US. I grew up in New Jersey and I went to high school there. I went to university in Boston. So I did an economics degree, so nothing to do with law or either with um, art, but every elective I had was art related because I knew that that was where my heart was. And that's kind of like how the circle was going because also as an immigrant, my parents also felt that, you know, doing an art degree was not wise choice. And I can see that it was very challenging. I was the third child and uh, my siblings and I are actually very close in age. So when we were all going to university, it was very difficult financially for my parents. So a lot of the time we actually had to have only one studying and the rest of us working to support the one that was studying. And then we kind of like took turns. in the US. <laughs> it really is. Like cost of university, like people have to save their whole lives if you can. Exactly, right? exactly. And it's I mean, I can't even easy. imagine how it is right now because I hear things and I'm just like, so anyways, I was one of the lucky ones that eventually managed to do this, but it was a long process. I had to wait to go into university. And then uh, when I did, my parents were totally like, no, you cannot do art. It's just out of the question. You're not going to find a job. I think also my parents didn't have a real understanding of what an art career could look like because they had a very um, small notion of what an artist is. And it's exactly what most of people tend to assume that you're an artist, you do art, and then you don't know how to pay your bills because you can't find means to like sell your art regularly. Mm. So it was, um, it was the path that was meant to be. I have <laughs> made peace with that, but it was difficult. You know, I remember I went in an exchange program to London, to the London School of Economics. And uh, I was just in shock. This was in my junior year of college. And I just knew for a fact that I didn't want to do my degree anymore because I was like, people there were so passionate. Like, if you are an economist, I feel like this is where you want to be. And when I went there, I was like, I could care less about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not my <laughs> cup of tea. No. And, I, and, you know, it was hard. So I went to my sister because we were both living in London at the time. And I had a very good conversation with her. But she was like, listen, you have worked so hard. You have been a, you know, a great student. Like, do you really just want to, like, put that all to the side? Or would you rather just finish your degree and then do whatever you want, you know? Everybody kept on telling me this. They're like, just finish the studies you're doing. And then when you're graduating, you can do whatever you want. But the reality is that you can't because one, you have a lot of debt mm. that you have to think about. And then also because, you know, again, this idea of like, you have to be a good girl because I feel like that's the message that we get. Like, and how are we good girls when we're pleasing people, when we're doing the things that other people think are acceptable. But if you are a dreamer, if you're a fighter, if you're a warrior, 12 blazer you're like no just you know sit down and figure out what you want to do that is going to make other people happy but yourself right <laughs> and it's a very strange message to receive but that's kind of like the mindset and I like I'm saying I have a wonderful loving family but again we still managed to get caught up into that situation because of the circumstances so then I didn't do art for a really really long time a lot of things happened in between. I moved to London because I really loved it when I was studying there. 
And then I decided to do law because I knew that I had to find a means to be able to enable an art career at some point. And I had already invested so much in my education that I was like, okay, if I do this, I'm going to be able to be a corporate lawyer. And then eventually I'll be able to get out of there and focus in doing art. But obviously I think what I didn't realize is that if you're not good at taking good care of your mental health in that process, there's going to be so many things that are going to change for you. So one of the things that happened to me in that process that I was dealing with a lot of personal stress and very difficult circumstances because, you know, life is full of up and down and I never looked after my mental health again because, you know, there was this idea that if you were looking after your mental health, you had a problem because, you know, you're like, uh, if you're going to a psychologist or psychiatrist, people make fun of you. As if you're like you're crazy or something, and they don't validate mm -hmm. that as like a a regular need that people actually have to look after their mental health. So dealing with a lot of stress and difficult situations without proper assistance was very very hard. And then I realized that at some point I actually was blocked. I couldn't make art. I wanted to do it, but I couldn't do it. So for about twenty five years, I didn't do anything. You know, like anything big. Before that, I used to paint in oil while I was in university. Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. Yes. What? Isn't that crazy? Yes. So then one day, you know, like I was building up the courage little by little because I was like, I know I want to do an art career, but like, how am I going to do it? And everything is like just in my head, just in my head, just in my head. So then at some point, I came to my husband and I said to him, you know, I really want to do an art career. And by this point, I had three kids. So it was like the timing was probably the worst ever in terms of like time, how much time. You know I've what? Had. There's no good time for anything. Yes, but that that's also what I realized. I was like, really? It is like now or never because there's never going to be necessarily a good time. So by this point, my youngest child was probably a few months old. And then my husband, I think through the conversations that we had, he had totally misunderstood what I said. So he actually thought maybe I wanted to study like art history or, you know, do something else. And, and then when I actually kind of like shook him and I was like, no, I want to do art. I want to make art. I want to be an artist. He was like, but you don't do anything. You never do anything art related. Yeah. He's like, how are you going to make an art career when you and then he was like, because I mean, yeah, sure. Do it. Show me, you know, put the effort into making art and then let's have this conversation. But like I said, I was blocked. I couldn't do it. And it was something extremely painful because I wanted to do it, but it was beyond me. So then I had been working on and off with some psychologists because at some point I realized that my mental health was deteriorating, especially after births, because I experienced a postpartum psychosis, postpartum depression, perinatal depression. So, you know, like and when you have a lot of these experiences, but also when you come out of them, you realize that, okay, what happened back there was a little bit out of place. Like I need to figure out how to do better for myself. But then again, being a mother to young kids, it's really difficult sometimes to prioritize that and to understand how important it is to look after yourself. Mm -hmm. So, um, just before my youngest turned one year old in 2020, I had a mental breakdown mental breakdown it was very difficult i had to go into a mental institution for a week the day when she turned one and i was so heartbroken because you know first of all i felt like i was kind of like failing my children as a mother because i had been a full-time mom until then and suddenly you know i go i disappear and i mean i was breastfeeding my baby at the time it was so hard oh, gosh. 
Yes, brutal, brutal, brutal. I mean, it was it was good in the sense that, you know, the people that took care of me were actually amazing and I feel so blessed, but it was a really, really difficult thing to go through. And um, obviously, like we tried to make it as easy as possible. The kids would come and visit me and things like that. But it was it was just really strange also for the kids because, you know, here's mommy, but mommy can't be with you more than an hour because she's so overwhelmed to be with you. And I mean, of course, we didn't say that to them, but I'm pretty sure they were able to pick up an aspect of it because I would just like, you know, start crying or like have actually a physical reaction to being feeling responsible for them. So it was it was really, really, really tough. And I could absolutely not do anything. It was the weirdest thing. I remember I went to this yoga class that was part of that, uh, like one of the things that we had to do as part of like our healing journey. And I couldn't move, like my body physically couldn't move. And it was the weirdest thing because it's as if you freeze. Imagine like when you get so scared that you freeze, but then it's like, even bigger than that, because you actually realize that your body's telling you that you can't do things anymore. Oh. And I was so scared because I was like, how am I going to do this with my children? And, you know, such a heavy experience to go through. And, it, and obviously now I've, I've worked through this so much that I don't cry as I talk about it, because before I could barely even get to, to talk about it. And uh, also my head actually immediately reacted in a way that I was very surprised where like when people would speak to me in Norwegian my head would just like start pounding and I was like this is really weird because I've been speaking Norwegian for years now like why am I having this strange reaction and it was actually just like my brain shutting down and telling mm -hmm. me you can't you can't do anything but the only thing I could do was actually make art it was absolutely the only thing I could do and that actually would kind of like get me through the day and for me it was such a beautiful thing because I finally felt like you know I could open and do what I always wanted to do but it was a really weird way to get to that point so that's really the start of when I had already taken the steps to become an artist because before the mental breakdown and the weeks leading up to it I had done actually a a program with the Artist Mother podcast and mm -hmm. in me doing this great program I had a mental breakdown and it was so tough for me because I was like finally I'm doing what I want to do for myself and here I am like you know falling apart because I had slowly started building um, sketchbook practice and uh, I was working from that on the crit group and on some drawings that I had been doing and I found this amazing group I mean I still keep in touch with them we have been friends ever since and it's such a beautiful journey to have been you know through everything that we've been together and then um, when I was able to recover and I got great support both from my husband but also my parents they moved from Ecuador to here and mind you that this is all in the midst of the pandemic so lots of restrictions very difficult so all this was affecting the way that we were able to move around, but my parents were able to come because there was a small period when they opened up for grandparents to be able to come to Norway and we brought them immediately and they were here for nine months to like fully focus in supporting my children and my husband so that I could look after myself. And um, after that time, I really continued to figure out, okay, what is it that I need? How do I need to look after myself, my mental well-being to continue? And it's a journey. I mean, I'm still in that process. I feel like recently I have been really good at understanding triggers better 
and also being able to verbalize it towards my partner. And that's such a massive uh, help because sometimes I would just be very anxious and overwhelmed and I couldn't explain what was happening to me. But now I'm able to have that period of real, uh, realization. Okay, I am triggered because, you know, too much noise at a birthday party or like gatherings with children is very overstimulating and my body can't cope with that. And then it's easier for him to also understand how he needs to help me and just support me. And in that whole process, I also decided to make a community for artists, as you know, it's called Female Artists Oslo. And I did that out of the desire of also being an artist, because before I had my mental breakdown, I had thought about becoming um, to actually register in university again. So I had taken the language uh, exam that is like equivalent to TOEFL in, in, in the US, but this is basically like just uh, demonstrating your language skills in Norwegian so that you are able to attend university. But because of these uh, struggles with the, the language, I had to drop that idea of actually going back to university because I realized I didn't have the mental power to keep the language skills needed for attending university. And that was also, again, super hard because here I am finally trying to make the things that I want for myself and then I can't do it in the way that mm -hmm. I had expected. So then again, but I was so determined to be an artist and I said, well, this is not going to stop me from becoming an artist because I know I want to do this. So one of the suggestions that one of my friends, her name is uh, Rosanna, she's an amazing artist, she's based in Germany. She told me, you know, why don't you start trying to take some local classes and, you know, just take it from there. Because up to this point, I was still only doing drawings and some watercolor and I, I'm not very familiar with watercolor. So it was totally like, you know, just trying to find my ground through there. And it was really fun, but I really wanted to do oil painting because that's what I love to do. That's what I learned to do early on. So I took this class in a local place and then they turned out to have like a common atelier space where you can go and paint once a week. So after 25 years of not painting, I went and I did this painting and I was so inspired. It was a self-portrait and I was so excited that I was like, I can do it. I can do it again. <laughs> Maybe it was not exactly the way that I was expecting it, but at the same time, I was like, wow, I managed. And then after that, I went every week for several weeks and I started taking a lot of classes. But, you know, again, life has different plans that you make for yourself because I was super excited. I was like, finally, you know, I'm like in a good path. But then one of my children actually started struggling a lot with her own mental health. And I realized that part of it was probably related to the process that I had been through, you know, like her trying to make sense of everything that had happened to me. But then also because of the pandemic, you know, she was extremely anxious about, you know, going to places, people touching each other and, you know, things that a lot of adults could relate to. So it was very, very difficult. So I had to drop those classes because my daughter really needed me. Like uh, she would have to call me often and just I had to go and pick her up. So and then again, I found myself frustrated and trying to figure out how do I manage all this? And then I thought to myself, well, if I build a strong community around me, I'm going to, you know, find a way to come forward because I imagine that there's many people in similar situations as my own. And it was completely true. So that's kind of the whole background to both me starting my art career and developing the female artist Oslo community. I think it's so important to have community support, like you said, um, because creating art is seen as such a solo act, right? Yeah. And it can be isolating, which mm -hmm. we all know isn't good for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no. And and 
what I was thinking while you were speaking is like, you're right when we are looked at as like the caretakers and the actually I, whoops, I uh, read this book or I listened to it. It's mm -hmm. the moment of lift by Melinda Gates. And she talks about, um, she has actually all the data and stats. Yeah. No kidding. To back up <laughs> all of her um, research from the yeah. past 20 years yeah. and what she's done around the world. And women do like, it's an insane, it was like, I can't remember the exact number, but like something like 60% more. So unpaid labor uh, yeah. in the household. So just like um, on top of like whatever your career is um, and, you know, childcare, household duties, stuff like that. Right. So it's, it's not a made up thing. There's no. stats and data to back it up. <laughs> she, she looked like she named different countries and different percentages that, uh, and of course, North America was like one of the worst ones, no surprise. Um, and it's just, yeah, the way, the way we talk to young women and I'm always like consciously like don't comment on what they're wearing. Do not comment. <laughs> I'm like, I love what they're wearing, but that doesn't mean I have, that's the only thing I have to say to them right yeah. now. Like, yes. I love that tutu they're rocking with the glitter shirt, <laughs> unicorn, but yes. I don't focus on something on else. It. Yeah. Try try something else. And then later we can talk about because I'm sure they love it too. And that's why they're wearing it. But that's yeah. not the only thing I can say to young women. And I'm working with young women now and you do have to be uh, more conscious and thoughtful. So they don't have to overcome the things that we did. Um, mm -hmm. Like I, I didn't even realize I could run my own business until I was like 31. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, I, I had an art career, but yeah. I was depending solely on, well, I was in the throes of grief and motherhood and depending mm -hmm. solely on like individual art sales, which was totally unsustainable. Yeah. And um, it's like the average business has like six or seven flows of income. And so exactly like teaching yourself and starting really, I, I really, that uh, point was like, I'm starting a branding business. Like this is yeah. me starting a business from scratch and um, it's going to take a long time, but it's first that decision and, and the, the ability to think you can, that you're yeah. worthy and society. Yeah. I was, I was raised in a place where like, that wasn't always the case of, you know, like my husband walked right into the business. No one questioned yeah. it. No one, no, no one like, you know, and, um, even, oh, what was it? Uh, uh, oh, he said, he probably <laughs> still can hear me, but, and, and it's not his fault. Like it's not his fault. Yeah. He's very supportive. He's a fantastic partner. And we, um, try really hard to split up like duties and, uh, yeah. we make it work for our family and every family is different. Right. So, yeah. but he said, don't you think you've bitten off more than you can chew. And it was like the third time that week that someone's like, I don't want you to burn out. I'm worried about you. 
and to be fair sure like yes yeah. there were more stressful times and that's okay and yeah. when we have those we need to ask for help however i said to him has anyone father of three children who are in sports and school and activities has anyone said those things to you like yes. has anyone said i think you've been off more than you could chew i'm worried yeah. uh, i don't want you to burn out anything like that he's yeah. like no they say good job to me all the time like, yeah. And that's and that's always the case. And that's the thing, yeah. like, you know, to to actually have that realization and be able to change that dynamic, it always has to start at home. And it's it's really hard also to feel like that's again up to us to initiate it by like when our partners make comments like the one that you just mentioned, that we can actually say, Well, actually, why are you questioning this? I am an adult, I am your equal partner. I can do this because I have found myself in similar situations. And like you say, they come from a place of care and uh, wanting the best for us. But I think, like you say, would they say that to a friend? Probably not. Even if they mm -hmm. thought that, they will keep themselves to themselves because they're like, oh, he's a guy. You know, he will manage. But somehow yeah. we are underestimated for what we can actually achieve. And it's always very surprising because I'm just like, why didn't you think I could manage this? <laughs> what was about me that you felt and it's usually related to our gender unfortunately right it comes down to and that. and when all of those and i don't want to call like parenthood labor but it is yeah. it's very yeah. difficult it's managing <laughs> so much but when those duties put on from a society saying you should be able to take this all on and you yeah. shouldn't complain about it and you shouldn't like that leads to a full-on like you can't take anything your body yeah. finally physically shuts down and we had yeah. a podcast guest on i don't know if you caught that one um she's a sleep consultant and she talked about that too and no one believed yeah. her and she was like yeah. i for like three years she's like i can't she had twins and like that's just yeah. like insane and yeah. um she finally yeah went someplace that was like obscenely expensive and yeah. and uh sought help and it's just like you know there's a lot of triggers and a lot of things we have to look out for but those do need to fall equally on partnerships they yes. they and, and you have to ask for them and like you learned you had to communicate really well with your partner exactly. in order for for prevention and upkeeping yeah. and self-care and yeah. and when we aren't practicing those things and we did and to be fair this is society expectations i'm not just saying it's like a one-sided thing like there's a whole yeah. different uh yes. thing for males like yeah you yeah like anything you're you going have to through, be strong you, can, you can't yeah, process it like, like in a emotional way you have to be you know like you have to lead by example and just be right. tough doesn't matter right. what life throws at you and it's, yeah. it's, it's really hard. And I, and I completely agree with you. I think that it's important for people to look at that too. And to like, really make a point that like, okay, that is something that we need to look at and actually actively work together to make positive changes. And I think that's, that's the beauty of also being in a community that you're able to, you know, flourish into the person who you're meant to be, because you get inspiration from a lot of people. You also get a lot of support and encouragement that is exactly what you need if you're going to be who you're meant to be to your full mm. potential and i think yes. that's what i felt when i finally uh, 
made the leap and like really decided to invest in myself. I joined a couple of different communities and really tried to figure out what worked best for me and why it was doing. I had a lot of moments of reflections because since I was trying to set up something physically here, then I figured, okay, I really need to understand how they work and how they work for me to see how, you know, I can help other people find something within my community that is appealing to them. Because again, the culture is very difficult. I mean, not difficult, sorry, different. Sometimes a little difficult for me to understand. <laughs> <It's not difficult. laughs> but then again, I also remember having this conversation where I actually felt like, okay, why, why do I need to tell my partner? Why do I need to explain to him what it's like to become a mother? Because basically we both become parents at the exact same time. But what happens to us women is so different. And I mean, whoever you are, even if you're the strongest woman, the reality is your body is going to change in a way, even if you know you are one of the people that they consider themselves to be extremely lucky because their body doesn't actually physically change too much. But there are demands that our body have. Like even if on the outside we can't see it, you know, you still have to have a different type of nutrition. You can't go on your life as regular because you've just had a baby that took with himself or herself everything that you had that was good for your body because that baby needed that to thrive. So just from that point, like I said, even if you're in the best of circumstances, there's a difference. But also your role as a human is suddenly changing because your life is turned upside down. And like I said, I'm not trying to invalidate the experience of fathers because I know they also have this. But I feel like in a way the, our processes are different because we are put onto the circumstances that were like faced straight on. You know, that baby's out, you need to make it survive. Whether it's like breastfeeding that baby or bottle feeding that baby, but then, you know, you have to be up at night if that baby is waking up in the night. And obviously a lot of the times women end up taking this role either because they're breastfeeding or because they're taking time off to process the birth. And then just from that point of view, you and your partner go a little bit like separate ways. And sometimes, especially I think from my own personal experience, if you decide to be a stay-at-home parent, you end up taking the big bulk of everything. And, you know, people focus on parenthood in terms of like the practical things, the easy things that say, oh, you drop off, you pick up, you give them food, you do this, you bathe them, you put them to sleep. Yes, you do all of that. That's true. But you're so much more than that. You have so many roles in a day and you know they can go from like you know be an arbiter to make sure that people stop fighting and it's actually very taxing on you as a parent to constantly be breaking fights mm -hmm. you know like if kids are like constantly onto each other you're like i can't take it just anymore. getting them to school feels like i that was it's a battle whole day that was my whole day of energy just in that one Thing that we did yes. and sometimes just one of them is going to school or two at most oh, I, I know. still only have two in school yeah kindergarten it's just yes. like it's so emotionally taxing which yes. most of my listeners know and they're like shaking their hand they're like yeah. yes <laughs> yeah it is but the people don't talk about it enough because if you do I feel like some of the responses I get just really shock me when the people are like, you're going to miss this. You know, like people who have the best intentions say this. I'm like, maybe I will. But right now when my kids are like driving me crazy because nobody would put on the clothes they need to get out the door. I don't know if I will miss it. Yeah. <laughs> but you're in the thing of it. Like, it's really so. hard to be like, I'm going to miss it. 
Yeah. But also it's no. so hard to enjoy it when it's so intense because most of us are mothering in isolation. And that was something that became very clear to me early on. So I had started working after my breakdown with a life coach and she's a really wonderful uh, person. She is in, I think half from Scotland, half Norwegian, but he's, she's based here in Norway. So we actually used to meet up regularly and she gave me this book and maybe you've read or heard of it. It's called Motherwell. I think, no. uh, oh my God, that book. If you have never read that book and if you haven't followed her Instagram, you must. Because this woman basically tells the story of how we all evolve from these um, community settings. And now we're all mothering in isolation. And a lot of our feels about guilt and inappropriateness and everything that you can think negative that you can associate to how you feel on a day to day is related to the fact that all the responsibility of parenting our children is on our shoulders, us and our partners. Even if we have fantastic partners to raise children by these two people is too much. Mm -hmm. And the way that she writes is so beautifully written that it's, you know, like when I read her book, I just cried and cried and cried, but in a beautiful way, because I felt so validated. I was like, yes, everything that I have ever thought about that was like rough. And again, you know, it was a process. I had just read that book after I read um, The Woman Who Run With The Wolves that was recommended mm -hmm. by my psychologist. And again, with connecting with ourselves and you know, following our intuition and understanding how the myths and folk tales had done women a disfavor in the society as a whole by training us to feel like, you know, we can't do things and that we need to be told what we must do, that we need to learn to negate our own instincts because, you know, we have very strong instincts as women, but we are always told that, like, you know, if you have a lot of these instincts and you want to voice them out you're like oh no no but you have to be gentle you know you're supposed to please people <laughs> so you can't do that so it's it's just so interesting to when you really are able to give yourself the time to nurture yourself and understand why you feel the way you do and I feel like it was such a beautiful privilege to do that yeah, I wish I had done it earlier but I also feel like it was the right time in the sense that I'm ready to pass on to my kids so a lot of these information I want to be able to you know actively speak to my children about so I went from being a mother who was fully devoted to her children like day in then day out and took absolutely no breaks completely unhealthy behavior by all means but you know trained to feel that that's what I need to do because you're a mother you're sacrificing for your children you don't sleep you don't eat you, you don't, don't do all to. these things <laughs> yes you don't have but then, to exactly but the thing is like you say Yes, you can do that to a point until you crash and then you crash hard and then reality tells you, actually, no, you can't do it because your body needs all of this. So now when I want to take a break, I go to my children and say, mommy needs a break. And they're like, oh, but I want to take a break with you. I'm like, no, mommy's not going to take a break with you because mommy needs to be mommy on her own. I said before mommy was mommy, mommy was somebody else. And that person is the person that I need to continue to nurture. And I have beautiful and deep conversations about these things with my children because I have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. And even my three-year-old is really funny because I started doing this habit where I would try as often as possible to meditate when I woke up in the morning, just, you know, to find some peace within myself before all the chaos of like, oh, get ready for school and like breakfast and stuff. And then at the beginning, it was really hard. But now the moment that they know that I'm meditating, they're like, shh. And even if like, you know, they're whispering really loud, it's hilarious because they're like, we are supporting you, mommy, but they're like screaming. 
and I'm like, but at least, you know, I like the intention of it and the fact that like they're actively or they will go and tell my husband, do not interrupt mommy. <laughs> mommy yeah. has and I so think I get it. that responsibility, responsibility does fall upon you as an individual. You, yeah. you can't expect people to know what is happening with you. You can't, unless you tell them and you yeah. can't expect for time unless you ask for that time yeah. and you're not a superhero. We're all human. And I think that's yeah. what we can really take away and you need support and you need a community um, in any, and, and, and sometimes your friends are the family you choose if you're not living yeah. near your family, you know? So I think that's the greatest thing we can take away from that conversation is we can't do this alone. Um, I do have one final question. It's sponsored yeah. by Red Bicycle Communications. Uh, it's describe your ideal perfect day uh, in your life. I think my ideal perfect day is again, starting just really slowly, you know, just being quiet. Usually starts with like, uh, I'm the queen of like micro habits. So everything I do, I do for five minutes because I have so much to juggle. So I'm like, I do affirmations for a minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I do five minute meditation and then I try to read five minutes, uh, like a book that I'm currently doing. And then after that, you know, just like kind of like having a moment to just be without feeling like, oh, I need to get up. I need to do this. So that's kind of like my ideal way to start a day in a day and probably is spending at least like six to eight hours in the studio <laughs> a little <laughs> ambitious i know at least <laughs> because we're talking about my perfect day here yeah and then after yeah. that probably just going home and again like doing something like watching some like k-pop drama i'm a sucker for that <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> and then that's it and i try not to binge but i probably would if i get that perfect day <laughs> oh, because beautiful. i'm human <laughs> yeah yeah it's allowed it's allowed um thank you so much for coming on where can everyone find you and your community yes so we are pretty much everywhere we're on instagram we're on facebook uh, we are on linkedin on twitter and we are particularly active on instagram at the moment so like i said it's called female artists oslo and we are a community that is based in oslo but we actually do have quite a few members that are abroad uh, we offer a free membership for everyone where we give a lot of stuff to our community because we've been building it for over a year now. And we also have a premium membership and basically we're just all about trying to give visibility to artists and, you know, just engaging good conversations where we're actually doing together, carving a path for ourselves in the art world, because unfortunately it's still very, very male dominated. And I say unfortunately because there is so many fantastic female artists. And then the same for me, you can find me on Instagram and you can look up my name, Paulina Ree, because my Instagram handle is actually Adios a las Fresas, which is in Spanish. And that has its own story. And that's why I'm keeping it that way, but also in my website. So thank you so much, Brandy. I'm so excited that I finally got to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I loved hearing about your whole journey and learning more like about you and, um, yeah, thank you for being honest and sharing all of that. Thank you. And I Thanks. look forward to continue to be on each other's journey. Hello, my name is Brandi Hofer, your host and founder of Color Me Happy, a community podcast and book, all of which I started in my in-home studio whilst in the throes of motherhood. 
I am an artist, author, educator, and mother to three beautiful boys. We live and create together in our in-home studio that is tucked away in the quiet Canadian prairies. Our podcast and community was built to empower and inspire. We chat about everything from motherhood, the art world, business, and health in the most honest and authentic way. It's totally unedited and unfiltered. If you love what we do here, become a part of our free community, Color Me Happy. We have grown the community to support our members with features and interviews. Our link is in the notes. Thank you for being here. I sure do appreciate your time. If you're looking for some time for yourself to relax, release and unwind, Oasis has the perfect space for you. They offer yoga and spin classes of all levels. Whether you are a beginner or advanced student, Oasis thrives on accommodating all aspects of the practice. Let their serene environment and gracious staff help you in your journey of peace, healing, and strength. Sign up online at www.oasishotyogastudio.com or by downloading the Oasis Hot Yoga Studio app. Feel like yourself. You deserve it.